We are working through a series right now here at Chalmers called Keeping Focused. And as we continue to move forward in this pastoral transition, as we continue to move forward as a church in seeking God's will in many things, one of the things we want to make sure that we do is that we keep focused on the essential things, on the important things, on the things that don't change. And so we've been talking about our focus here as a church, which is connecting with God and each other, growing to be like Jesus and caring for our community and beyond. And this, in essence, is what we as a church believe all Christians should be doing. It's actually, it's kind of the, the path that we feel we all need to be on. That we understand that different people come to Jesus Christ in different ways. Some people would stumble into a church building, hear a pastor speak. Some people might stumble onto a virtual church or a YouTube site or something like that and hear the message of salvation. Some people simply pick up a Bible and they start reading it on their own or with a group of, of people. There are many people in our world today who are having dreams or visions of Jesus speaking to them. And their eyes are opened to, to the truth of, of Jesus Christ. Amazing things. Some people hear the love of God through their co-workers or neighbors or friends. But no matter how you get here, the Bible is very clear that our first step is that we need to connect with God. That we are disconnected from God and that we need to connect to God in our lives. We need God's love in our lives. We need to receive his forgiveness and his grace through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We need to turn our lives over to Jesus as our Lord and our master. This is the idea of moving from disconnected to connected to God. And the only way we do that is through Jesus Christ. Paul writes it this way. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. And so we need Jesus. He is our foundation and the lifeblood of our faith. We connect to, to him by his grace on the cross. The next step that we take then is from independence to community. We move from independence to community. The Christian life was never meant to be lived independently. We need one another. It's how God designed us. It's how God designed us. And so we need to move from independence to community. The problem is that independence is just a huge value in our culture. We strive to be independent, don't we? We want to raise our children to be independent. And yet, this is a fabrication. This is a falsehood that so many of us have bought into. We actually need each other. We need to be a community. We need to have family. We need to have a family of Christ followers together following Christ. If you read through the New Testament, there is nowhere that it says that we are meant to be an island. It is all about community. Most of the New Testament are books written to churches. 
And the few letters that are in there that aren't written to churches are written to, to the leaders of those churches about how to run and care for those churches well. It is absolutely paramount that we live in community. We're never meant to do it on our own. So we connect with God and we connect with each other. The third part is that we then need to grow. We move from infancy to maturity. We move from infancy to maturity. What do I mean by this? Well, when we connect with God through Jesus Christ, when we turn away from our sinful life and we turn to a life of Jesus in control, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, forgiven for your sins and guaranteed eternal life, that is good, right? But that is the beginning. That is like the first step. It's not the end. So many people think that that is the end. You say a prayer and you're done. You're good, right? I mean, what do we want? We want eternal life with Jesus. We want our sins to be forgiven. We got that perfect, great, now we can just relax. But that's completely backwards. It's like saying that birth is the point of being human. No, birth is the first step of a life, right? We're born, and we don't stop there. We are then to live and enjoy all that God has given to us. To say that the forgiveness of sins and the ticket to eternal life is the goal is falling short of what the real goal is. Jesus had a conversation with a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus didn't understand this idea. Nicodemus was a man who knew scripture. He was a religious man, but he was so focused on doing the right things in his life that he didn't understand the need for a complete change, a complete new rebirth. And so Jesus meets with Nicodemus and tells him this, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. They have a really weird conversation about what does that mean? Because it's a weird thing to say. We think about birth as a physical thing. He's talking about it as a spiritual thing. It is a renewal and a redoing of our spiritual lives. And we'll talk about that in a second. When we accept the love of God into our lives, when we receive the forgiveness of sins, when we respond in faith to the Holy Spirit, something amazing happens to us. And many of you have experienced this. But it doesn't happen to us on our physical side. Nothing changes on our skin. Nothing changes that we can see. But on the spiritual realm, and there is a spiritual dimension of our lives, something significant changes. At that very moment, you die. And you think, well, Brian, this is supposed to be good. Why do we die? Well, we die to our old life. We die to our sins. In the exact moment that you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your old self is crucified with Christ. You say, Brian, this is supposed to be good news. It is good news because at the same time that you die, you are reborn. 
You are given new life in Jesus Christ. You are a new creation. You are brought into new life with Jesus. You die and you are reborn at the exact same time. This is what we call the spiritual resurrection. And this is what Paul says about it in Romans 6. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. We've died. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And so we die with Christ and we rise with Christ as well. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. You're not the same. You're a different person. And many of you have experienced that. And you've gone, yeah, there's something different. And yeah, I still mess up from time to time, but I don't want to anymore. I want to live for him. I want to follow him in my life. But this is just the beginning of the journey. It's not the end. It's just the first steps. Over the last year or so, as a church community, we've been blessed with some babies. We have some babies who are coming. It's exciting. I love holding babies. Like, Heather will tell you, like, I'm one of those guys that I'll just be like, yeah, sure, I'll hold the baby. No problem. Perfect. I usually hold them like a football. <laughs> but I love holding babies. It doesn't have to be mine. It has, can be someone else's. Because it brings me back to the times that my kids were infants. Now, my youngest is two and a half. It hasn't been that long since he was a baby. Some of you have had kids or grandkids, and you go, yeah, it's been a little while. They were this small? But we can maybe remember back to a time, if you were, if you're a parent, when your children came. And they were just so tiny, right? And we love them being so tiny. And I loved when my kids were small they would fall asleep on me. That's something I miss. I terribly miss that. I don't miss the lack of sleep, but I terribly miss that part. It's a precious time. And we're so thankful for it. And as parents, sometimes we, we say things that we don't really mean, right? We say things like, oh, I wish that they would just stay like this forever. Because in some ways, we do. I have this joke with my daughter that she is my baby, and she's like nine years old. She's almost as tall as I am. She is growing into just this beautiful young woman, and I see the time flying by in my mind. And I go, no, I just want to pick you up, and I'll, run, I'll chase her around the house trying to like pick her up as a baby. And she's like, no, Dad, don't. Um, but I want... In a little bit of my way, I want to be like, no, but you, you need to stay like this forever, right? Because time is just flying by. But what happened if that actually became true? Not only, uh, some of you moms are thinking, oh my goodness, I would never sleep. <laughs> but what if you had a baby that never got bigger? 
What if you had a, a child that never crawled, never talked, they stayed the same size as they are now, and that continued on throughout the years, two, three, eight, 10, 12, 24 years old, they were still this baby. We would say that's not cute, that's not adorable, there is something seriously wrong. Infants are only newborns for a little while, then they become toddlers, then preschoolers, then school-aged, then teenagers, then young adults, then adults. This is the healthy growth process, and we understand that. Even though we may not like change in our lives, we know that this change and growth is healthy. And the same is true in our spiritual lives. If you have accepted the love of God in Jesus Christ, then you are reborn in Christ. The Bible says you are a new creation. You're reborn. You're a spiritual infant. But we're not to stay as spiritual infants. We are now to move to maturity. We are to grow. God wants us to grow. And the fact is that God does most of the work in growing us into maturity. God does the growing in us. But we can do things that nurture that growth, and we can also do things to hinder that growth. We were at a wedding last night. My sister got married last night, and for dessert, they gave us kind of these plates with three different desserts on them. And one of them was this. It was disgusting. It was disgusting. <laughs> I don't drink coffee, but it was a coffee-flavored mousse in this, like, chocolate cup thing. <laughs> Some people appreciated it. But my daughter got it, and Heather said, oh, it's coffee flavor. And we could just see Liberty's wheels turning. Because we've told her, if you start drinking coffee really early, it will stunt your growth. <laughs> and so she's like, do I, do I have this? Do I not have this? And Heather had to say, it's okay. This, this amount isn't going to affect your growth. But there are things that we can do and not do in our, in our physical lives to nurture growth and to hinder growth. The same is true in our spiritual lives. So here are a few things that we can be doing to partner with God in how he wants to be shaping and forming us as spiritual people. Number one, abiding in the word of God. Abiding in the word of God. We are to be connected to God through his word. And Jesus Christ is the word of God. God has given us scripture that is his inspired word. It allows us, it helps us to know the heart of God and to give us principles of how to follow God in our lives. Jesus says in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, he can do nothing. We need to be abiding in God. We need to be connected to God. Not just once, but continue to be connected to God. Constantly, daily, hourly. Paul says in Colossians 3, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. 
We are to abide in the word of God. We are to remain connected to him. Number two, we are to listen and obey the Holy Spirit. Listen to and obey the Holy Spirit. God still wants to guide us, to direct our steps. He wants to lead us. He gives us a light to our path. It's kind of frustrating sometimes. I'm someone who wants the map. God, what's the beginning? What's the destination? And that's great. I will figure out how that works. I want to be like a bushwhacker who like creates my own path. God doesn't give us that. He doesn't give us a map. He gives us a light to the next step that we take. And then the one after that. And then the one after that. The only way that we know where to step is by listening to his directions, to his whisper. Jesus said when he was teaching a crowd, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? It's counterintuitive, right? Why do you seek guidance and yet not listen to the guidance? So we need to listen and obey the Holy Spirit. Number three, we are to live in God's love and grace. Live in God's love and grace. So often, Christians, those of us who have received the grace of Jesus Christ, forget the grace of Jesus Christ in our lives. We receive God's love and somehow we become incredibly legalistic. It's incredibly weird. How is it that we forget that we didn't earn or deserve the love and forgiveness that we've been received. How is it that we so quickly forget that? We forget it for other people really quickly, and we forget it for ourselves as well. We beat ourselves up when we slip and fall. And we know that we're not perfect. We know we're not perfect, but we chastise ourselves anyway. Instead, we need to be living in the grace that God gives us every day. Never taking it for granted, never taking advantage of it, but resting in his grace, knowing that he loves us and he's there to pick us up when we fall. Second Peter 3 says this, Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the errors of the lawless and fall from your secure position. We have a secure position. Don't be led to the right or to the left of that. Instead, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How do we stay from the right and from the left? By growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Ephesians 3, 16 to 19 says it this way. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Do you know how big God's love is for you? Bigger than you can imagine. 
and know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. We are to live in that love. We are to live in that security. We are to live knowing that you are a child of God. And there is nothing that can change that. So one question I have been asked many times is, how do you know that you're growing? How do I know that I'm not an infant anymore? How do I know that maybe I'm a toddler, maybe I'm a preschool, maybe I'm in that really awkward teenage years of my faith? How do you know? Here's a couple things. Number one, wisely compare. Let me explain this. Wisely compare. We often compare, but we often do it quite unwise. How do we do it poorly? By looking to the person to our left and looking to the person to our right and seeing what they look like on the outside in their faith. You know, the people who know all the words to the songs, the people who have their hands way up here, they must be more spiritual than me. My hands are just like here. Theirs are like here. Man, I'm not where they are yet. We compare ourselves to others. But we don't compare ourselves to who they really are. We look at how we feel on the inside to how they look on the outside. And that's poor comparison, folks. You don't know what's going on on the inside. There could be people who are faking it till they're making it. There could be people who are putting veneers on, saying, yeah, everything's good. My marriage might be crumbling, but everything's good. My kids are horrible, but everything's good. My finances are down the toilet, but everything's good. I could put this big smile on my face when I go to church, and everything's good. Everybody thinks that I'm all perfect. And we're comparing ourselves to that person. No wonder we feel like failure so often. That's not how we compare. How do we wisely compare? By asking God, God, am I closer to you now than I was a year ago? Am I closer to you now than I was six months from now? Am I closer to you now than I was three weeks ago? Am I moving towards you, God, or am I moving away? That's the comparison that we need to make. God, am I moving in the right direction? Or have I sat down and stood still, or am I backing away from you? We need to wisely compare. We also need to recognize that God tells us that we will be seen by the fruit in our lives. And sometimes asking other people, do you see more of God in me now than you saw a few years ago? The Holy Spirit produces fruit in our lives. What is the fruit of our lives? Galatians 5 talks about it. There's bad fruit that could be produced by walking away from God, the acts of the flesh, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
a fruit of the Spirit. How do we know that we're growing? Because the Spirit produces fruit in us. Love and joy and peace, patience or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. The fact is that fruit isn't actually the end goal. The goal of growth is not just to produce fruit, it's to produce more trees. Have you ever thought of that for a second? Does anybody have a, a maple tree in their yard? And what happens in the fall? All those keys come down, and you're like, ah! Oh! And as kids, you're like, woo, look at this! <laughs> but it's annoying if you're the one who has to clean them up, right? But that's because the tree, the purpose of the tree is not simply to have nice leaves. The purpose of the tree, the tree wants to reproduce. My son grabbed one of those keys. He planted it in our garden. Now we have a little tree in our garden. He's so excited. He wants to, to build a, a play fort in it one day. I'm like, man, that's going to take a few more years. But the goal of growth is not just to produce fruit, it's to spiritually reproduce. Here's the thing. We have been saved by grace. We've been given this abundant gift. We have been given an inheritance as followers of Jesus that we are now children of God. And that's great, and that's good, and we need to grow in that love and patience and kindness and self-control and all these good things. But that's not the point. The point is that we grow so that we can then help others to take that step of faith and to go from disconnected to connected to God. Because there are so many people in our world who need the love of God in Jesus Christ. There are so many people in the world who are still alive to their sins and dead to God. And so as we grow, as we move forward in our faith, as we allow the Holy Spirit to do what He wants to do in us, may we partner with Him, not hinder the growth process. We need one another. We need to be connected to the vine of God. We need to be in his word. We need to be in prayer. We need to be focused on what he wants in our lives. My question for you today is this. Are you closer to God today than you were six months ago? And if the answer is yes, good work. You're positioned in the right direction. Keep moving forward. And if your answer is, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. Maybe I'm actually a little bit further behind. Then do a 180, turn around, put your sights back on Christ. Get back in his word. Get back in prayer. Find someone who will hold you accountable, who will kick your butt from time to time. And say, God, I want to be closer to you. Do you know God's answer to that prayer? Fantastic. I've been waiting. Come this way. Let's pray.
God, we thank you. We thank you that you do so much of the work, that you love us, that you loved us before we knew you, and that you are growing us into your followers who can make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. But we need to keep focused. We need to keep our eyes on you. We need to keep our eyes where you want us to go. Help us, Lord, right now. Like Peter, the wind and the waves call to us. They want to take our attention off of you. But when we set our eyes on you, you can do amazing things through us. So, Lord, right now, we just refocus our eyes on you. We thank you for your grace. Thank you that it is bigger than all our sin. We ask, Lord, that you would move powerfully in our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.